Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, we are back in full effect for the Detroit is Different podcast studios today. I have someone that uh, I've been wanting to get in front of Detroit is Different for a while. Somebody just like the last one. Um, in a lot of ways, peer in age, but still big homie in the works that he's done, the vision that he's had. And speaking of everything that's happening today with this Fight for Justice series, it's an honor, pleasure, and he's going to drop some game on you all. Ken Harris, how you feeling? Hey, it's a pleasure, Kari. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. Good, yes, good sir. Good to come back home, brother. Oh, man. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. And I should say Dr. Ken Harris, a professor dropping some science in so many ways, but still like a lot of us, a brother that's um, active in making moves for black empowerment. Uh, one of the number one tools that you've looked at is business development and economic power and black ownership, uh, especially working this way through this crazy field that we call American capitalism. Uh, that opens me up to a lot of things. So right now, with everything that's happening, we have protests going on in the nation. We have COVID-19 going on in the nation. We have what is said to be a crashing economy, possible recession or depression going on. And we have an election year as well. What's what's the tone that you're that you're pulling out from this? You know, Kari, man, it's, it's interesting how history repeats itself. Right. I, I look at Detroit being the center of every single movement that has taken place in the country of, of magnitude that you can possibly think of. Um, I think about a city that statistically has always been at the fore forefront of black economic empowerment black political and social empowerment and and i look at where we are today right i i look at you know COVID 19 exposing you know detroit and its health disparities mm -hmm. which have been historically locked in uh for quite some time now but the virus and the pandemic actually illuminated exactly what that virus meant to black people and when you think about the health crisis is synonymous with the economic crisis that have occurred so you know as i travel the country you know i think about you know my my ability to see so many different communities uh disproportionately affected by not just this health situation but the economic situation and so you know, I'm looking at more than 2.6 million black owned businesses across the country. More than 90 percent of those businesses are between one and three employees. Why is that? Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think about the more than 108,000 black owned businesses in the state of Michigan and the more than 49,000 black owned firms in the city of Detroit, which isn't part of the mainstream narrative. But Detroit is ranked number four in the country behind New York, L.A., Chicago and Houston. And so when I think about those companies and where we are today, almost growing three times the national rate, then we get, you know, like they say, white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. Well, black business caught COVID-19. 
and in some cases was totally shut down. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking at not only uh, do we have to find resilience again, which we will, uh, it's already predicted that 20 to 30 percent of black businesses will have to have closed their doors permanently. Mm. And so when you're looking at these type of statistics and the reason for that is, is because a lot of black businesses are within professional services sector. They're within yes. retail. Uh, they would, are in industries or restaurants or barbershops, et cetera, or what banking industries would call lifestyle businesses. And so when you categorize businesses like that as lifestyle businesses, the ba basically the traditional lenders tell you they're not trying to support you with capital. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you had a first stimulus of X amount, billions of dollars yeah. uh, that totally missed the small business in, in black business community totally. Yeah. Then they come out with a second stimulus, well over four hundred billion dollars. And that misses as well the black community and small businesses. And let's keep this in context. Seventy percent of the country. The backbone and the fabric of America is small businesses, 70%. Yeah. So 70% of the country are between one and 10 employees. So why would you have a stimulus package that states in its, in its policy that 500 employees can apply for this? So when you saw companies, publicly traded companies, yeah. benefiting from the billions of dollars. Matter of fact, they absorbed the billions of dollars from the first stimulus like in two or three days. Yeah, like that. Right. And then on the second stimulus, again, the majority firms giving the money back. They even earmarked 60 billion dollars for what they call CDFIs, community development institutions, MDIs, minority depositor institutions, urban banks. They did not include black banks. Yeah. Right. Um, in particular, and this 60 billion was supposed to go uh, several weeks ago to minority owned businesses. Well, guess what? Only 40 percent of that money has been spent. Yeah, that's um, that's unique that you bring that up. And what I'm surprised to, to find out as I was looking at the manipulation from this uh, and, and what CDFIs are uh, by my current series connected to before COVID-19 and this fight for justice series was community development, you know, the business, the big business of poverty in Detroit. And uh, I was exposing a lot of this information with uh, Yusef Shakur and speaking of what this was and then just finding out a lot of these relationships between HUD and these CDFIs and the amounts, the massive amounts of lending going to organizations like Invest Detroit. Uh, the, the intermediary relationship between uh, the DGC, the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, and I guess, quote unquote, uh, urban businesses and how that lending is working and what those programs look like. And furthermore, the, the, the qualifications for it. So even before we move there, traditionally, lending has been such a uh, has been so such a uh had an adversarial relationship with black people uh it's definitely never been the asset that it is to uh white americans uh when, when i even go back to talking to most of the older black firms that i know so this is like the uh the most black newspapers started because a numbers man gave them a loan 
most uh most funeral homes started because something like a numbers man or maybe a community of farmers gathered some money together because lending has always culturally been as biased uh one of the things i told blanks as standardized testing it's something more known that standardized testing is culturally biased but lending itself is culturally biased. When you look at the application for the PPP loan that some businesses got, just the lens and the scope of how you look at that and gathering all that information, and then even feeling quote unquote safe and secure giving that information to a intermediary between a government entity, that's a lot of stuff. And that's definitely not anything that knowing, you know, banks do not, offer lines of credit to black businesses that we don't want to do this is uh as an entrepreneur is it's almost like you're knocking your head against the wall they tell you get good credit so you can get a loan they tell you have a good business plan and i've seen some of the most phenomenal business plan with some of the greatest credit on earth tapped in where where married couples go in and they're still told no and then i see crazy concepts like you know let's give cats haircuts get you know $3 million of a line of credit. Yeah, no question about it. Car is, is, you know, the system has been exposed. And, yeah. And, and, you know, everything's transparent now. This is the day and age of technology and information. It's a knowledge economy. You know, people can measure things. Uh, people can research things and look it up. But, you know, to be honest with you, every time black folks have tried to enter the economic mainstream of society, barriers have been put in place. Yeah. You know, so when you think about the financial market, our first experience, first of all, with a bank was the Freedmen's Bureau. Mm. Um, and, and when you think about what they did with emancipated slaves and heroes who actually fought in the war and deposited their money into that bank, which was ran by white folks. And at the end of the day, uh, all these folks money uh, not only got embezzled, uh, but uh, it was almost criminal how they were not able to retrieve their funds and the bank crashed and they bring in Frederick Douglass to try to save a, a burning house. And it was already, uh, the house was already done. Yeah, no doubt about it. So our first experience with traditional institutions, lending institutions, banking institutions, is not a good resume. This no. is why grandma and great grandma put money under the mattress. Yeah. We've never had trust for the bank. Yes. Uh, and and you know, even more importantly, you think from a cultural aspect, you know, every penny we got, we had to save, you yeah. know. So we're, we're very, uh, uh, in, in particular, paranoid about <laughs> who's looking at our money, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, where, where we keep our money, things of that nature is very important. But I mean, this in this day and time, you know, we missed the agricultural revolution because we were picking cotton. Yeah. Right. Uh, we missed it. Uh, they promised us 40 acres and a mule. Right. They kicked the mule in the ass. And, and, and basically, you, you know, either burnt down the land that we got or just basically, do, you know, eminent domain. Yeah. Right. And took it over and, yeah. and made us sharecroppers again. Then we went into Jim Crow segregation. We said, OK, they didn't lock us up out of this this model. We will right? build our own. We'll build our, our own, own thing, market. go off on our mm -hmm. own. So we start building Black Wall Streets all across America, a yeah. successful model. Yes. Uh, I think Booker T was right. You know, he was like, you know, white folks, take take your your political positions, take your, you know, uh, uh, everything that you do in terms of educate. Let us go over here and, do and our focus on our trades, mm -hmm. our 
agriculture, mm -hmm. things of that nature, professional services. Mm -hmm. We were already doing this stuff mm -hmm. as slave. Let us just focus on us. Mm -hmm. So when we started doing that and we found out that that model worked, they came in and, and yeah. bombed that and, and, and not mm -hmm. only bombed it, it, if it was still around, drove railroads through it. Or you know, freeways. Or, or freeways or whatever the case or, may be. To, basically suppressed. So press, suppress, oppress, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. regress the black economy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So every time we have tried to focus on the dollar, mm -hmm. uh, circulating that dollar, focus on building empowerment economically in our communities, again, mm -hmm. we've been on an onslaught. So we move all the way up into, you know, uh, being sick and tired of sick and tired. And, mm -hmm. and we get to, you know, the civil rights movement or what I call the civil eco no economic rights movement. Yeah. You know, so how, how you got a civil rights law, but it ain't got no economics to it. No. So to me, you know, it's you're without speaking, economics, don't speaking, nothing else uh, don't matter. You speaking your your mentor big time. Oh, right no, now. no, I hear no Dr. question. Claude Anderson all through no. that concept. And once again, this book, gets, this may be we one got of the played. most brought up books on this podcast yeah black labor white, white wealth. wealth and powernomics yeah read it and then read powernomics yeah it may be one of the most brought up books on this podcast i can't think of maybe that in isis papers but yeah no question you know so, dr francis quest welsing was on point about you know again us trying to integrate into a system that has never embraced us yes and right it's a period i mean even even when you think about the civil rights of the like understanding strategically it's like you know you're with pride saying to yourself i want to buy a house in a community where they're gonna you know spray paint swastikas and burn across in my front lawn just to prove i can live here it's like that's and i want to spend double what the white man will spend to move here like that just you know but this is the hysteria dr amos wilson that we've been living in in america as black people so when you speak about some of the economic challenges um of these black business and what their businesses and what they're facing now moving forward um what are some ways that you see um some of the lending and some of the growth and and getting some needed capital to these businesses to expand uh to you know stay yeah, no competitive question. No, and, and the real, what I would wanted to do, Kari, too, was line up the historical foundation to where we are today. So I what I you. mean, we we missed the agricultural revolution. Yeah, we missed the industrial revolution. Definitely. A few of us uh, got some tokens and some coins and some crumbs mm -hmm. under the table and we did well and we moved out of the community. You know, we moved mm -hmm. into the upper echelon, et cetera, et cetera. And then we come into, you know, civil uh, no economic rights or affirmative half action, which has benefited white women more and other minority groups uh, more than it has the people who fought blood, sweat and tears uh, yeah. so that this country could get to that type of set aside, which is owed back to us, which is some form of a reparation, which was given to us post emancipation, then taken away. Yeah. Right. So this whole idea of like Dr. Claude Anderson, what he would say, a benign neglect. Uh, towards the black community has gotten us to this point. So we've missed all of these different revolutions. But where I do figure uh, it is an opportunity for us is 
the digital revolution. And I always say that the revolution will not be televised. It shall be digitized. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is we have a unique opportunity because this is the first time in a revolution we're not limited to a particular space. Uh, it gives us the ability to communicate broadly as you see the response with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement that just took place. It's a global movement. Why? Because of the Internet. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of activism on the ground and the two connecting with each other. So this is a huge opportunity for the global black community to now focus on what's most important in our community, which is economics, equity and entrepreneurship. And we need to master that as our core tenets to fight white supremacy, oppression and any other systematic or institutional barriers that white white supremacy produces and have maintained. That's deep. I, I, I love where you just went and uh, economics and equity. Um, that's deep. That's that's very deep. And, and and along with this, sometimes I battle as I'm wrapping up, you know, getting MBA at, at Walsh now. And I like Congratulations, having the swords. Yeah. I like having the swords of of the machine to work within the machine. But culturally, it's like deconstructing. And that's where the, the beautiful minds of people like you and and my father and Claude Anderson and others helped me navigate this. I mean, because their systems uh, 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 of what business looks like is so different than what our systems of business looks like. So when you speak to this and the tenets of economics, where do you see that uh, that that young black person watching this now? You know, uh, where should they be looking to 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 learn? Because, I mean, they can't just necessarily say to themselves, supply meets demand. And that's where I meet my customer. Yeah, no doubt. I'm 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 even proud of what I'm seeing in the streets right now, because it's young black people who are invigorated to challenge the system. Mm -hmm. uh, it's young black people calling calling for the systematic structure of white supremacy to be broken down. Yeah, uh, it is a repeat of the rebellion and the resiliencenessness that black people have always been through since uh, our early days of birthing civilization. Yeah. Uh, we we were never meant to be incarcerated, mm -hmm. uh, both mentally, physically, spiritually and emotionally. And so for the young person, I think this equation is already figured out. It's easy math. Trace your history. Hmm. Look at the history. It tells you that the mainstream white supremacist institutions and structures do not benefit or a European ideology and mindset does not benefit the black man. And mm -hmm. so why would you want to tag on to something, one, that does not want you there because it's proven that it'll do everything at all costs to keep you marginalized, isolated, disenfranchised, or even disconnected or oppressed. Mm -hmm. If that is the case, and what, do you, what, what is the message to that? Either you own your own or you continue to be owned by someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I think about, you know, us being emancipated, you know, emancipation wasn't true because we went right back into economic slavery. Yeah. Right. And so if you don't have no money, no means to produce the quality of life or per, or, or the pursuit of what their constitution says as liberty and justice for all. Right. We've yeah. never maintained that because we don't have the power of the purse. No. Right. And every time we've tried to produce the power of the purse, we've always been met with uh, an unprecedented uh, yes. uh, uh, force and resistance and, and uh, retaliation yeah. Yeah. 
uh, towards us empowering ourselves and becoming whole again. Because young folks today, they're equipped to not only bring us back to our original state as free black men and women across this globe, but they have the ability to link the entire globe and also inspire other uh, ethnic groups uh, who have also been, you know, challenged by this whole system of white supremacy, which at the end of the day, Kari, uh, is a class issue amongst poor whites as well. So really, it's an elite few of a white ruling class that is pretty much pimping everybody, got everybody under this mask system uh, mm -hmm. of race, which was created in, in the 17th century. Race yeah. never existed until yeah. the 17th century. And then it was made policy to benefit the white ruling class elite to yeah. control labor. And yeah. who was their labor class? It was us melanated people black people wherever they could find it to to not only uh build the american system that you have today but even in society we spend 1.5 trillion dollars as a community we do nothing but feed their distribution and manufacturing class we yes. don't produce anything yes. so young folks it's a huge opportunity for and you see it i'm not going to say opportunity because a lot of young folks are waking up that corporate america ain't for me if you go into a classroom and I go with my students and I ask them, what do you want to do? Work for somebody or own your own business? 99% of them are going to say, I want to own my own business. That's deep. Right. That's uh, that's empowering to know. And, uh, and and it's deep that you said history is where to look to. Uh, I feel history is our weapon. I feel uh, against the definitely. ignorance and the continued assimilation and indoctrination of us as a people. That's history deep. is our weapon. That's deep. That's that's very deep as that tool. I mean, I'm, I'm I sometimes put myself in a in such a unique perspective, having a father that's an entrepreneur and a grandfather that's an entrepreneur. No question. They had so, no choice. But in some cases. So the 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 inner workings of even how I look at business deals, uh, yeah. contracts, because some forms of this economics happens every step of the way. I was explaining to one of my friends the the inner workings of a land contract if anybody knows about this like you're going to hit this business system in their machine along life no you doubt. know and, and having a better understanding of business and how business works will arm you of the the like i say the options and that goes back to history of knowing the options that exist and no when doubt. you talk about the options that exist you spoke of detroit and the value of detroit because I really right now, as I sit on Clements off Davidson and Linwood, and some people say, man, it's the hood. It's and the I ghetto. grew up on Buena Vista between Potowski and Livernois. So I'm right up, right the, street. up the street. Yeah. It, I mean, this one of the biggest assets we have is what what the world is not making more of here in Detroit. Yeah. We have so much land. No doubt. You know, and I know I know I got people in uh, in different spaces, uh, you know, like in New York. You you're not you're not getting empty lots of land in New York. No question. But this is Kari. This mm -hmm. is true liberation for black people is economics and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I always say this is the time where black people will be the first to gain financial and entrepreneurial economic independence from those who have oppressed them, systems that are oppressed yeah. them. And this is the opportunity, not only it's the only choice that we have is the only true operating in a capitalistic system, right? Where the systems perpetuate freedom, but freedom comes in the form of ownership. 
and entrepreneurship is your real true means to ownership. And even if you have a career, you can still be entrepreneurship minded. And what you're finding is, you know, most folks that are going into corporate America, these Fortune 500 companies, you know, they're finding themselves being met at a leadership cap. Uh, they can't break, you know, the ceiling. There's only a select few hand picked folks that get through the system and what they have to go through to get through that system. Uh, I mean, you, you don't want that on anybody. Right. And then when they get there, they're, they're relegated and, and trapped so much to where they can't speak truth to power. They can't truly uh, vestige uh, what's really going on in these institutions that are not inclusive of black people and especially black males in particular. And so when we look at this whole system, it's been rigged against us, but we've all woke up now. It's about economics. It's about equity. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about owning our own right now. And just about every single industry and sector you can possibly think of, you can go into those industries, find your niche. And just like basic economics, basic economics is, and I'll break it down in simplistic terms, is finding a market pain, creating a solutions for that market pain. And then bringing that solution to the marketplace and trying to expand and cover as much ground in the marketplace as possible. Mm -hmm. So with what I mean by that is if you see something, it's a unique idea. If it's 12 barbershops on one block, that's not a market pain. Right. Mm -hmm. But if there is a, a, a logistics center that provides janitorial services for all 12 of those barbershops and beauty salons and you can structure yourself to be able to have a one-stop shop janitorial service for for that entire block then you've just created a solution for a market pain that everybody could depend on and then once you own that block you can take it both citywide countywide statewide regional and national and when you get real with it you know, you can start an international business and you can start doing things in Africa, throughout the diaspora, the Caribbean, South America, all of these countries where there's a vast amount of opportunity. And I look at us here as in America. I don't think it's no surprise that, you know, one, we're indigenous to this land. So if most people know Dr. You know, Ivan von Sertema, you know, we were here before Columbus. Mm -hmm. We were here before uh, uh, the Indians or what they call Indians. Uh, we were here 50,000 years ago. Black people migrated from Africa. Right. And so because we know that through facts, evidence and data now. Right. And DNA. Right. You cannot deny our presence all over the world. So this whole game, this whole rig system, Kari, is up. We are the original people. We will return back to our original place in this civilization mm -hmm. that we birthed. And folks know it. You can't stop it. Respect. Absolutely. And so when you feel that mind, body, soul, and spirit, we get away from this slave food. And as you can see, I'm a proud vegan, mm -hmm. plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. I've been that way for five years straight. It's, it's revolutionized my mind, my mm -hmm. soul, everything. Because we have to take care of our health because look at COVID-19. Mm -hmm. It's killing off all of us. Not just because of the vi virus, but we live in unhealthy lives. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have a steak every other day. You can't be drinking cognac every day and expect your liver to be all right or your kidneys to be all right. You can't be putting toxins into your body.
the air that we breathe, environmental racism, you know, all types of different stuff that affects us. So we got a lot of things that we have to escape from, from and we got to get real with it because it's killing us. I'm also our health. We don't exercise, mm -hmm. you know, but you go in white communities. They got gyms everywhere. They got yoga studios. You know, I'm a proud yogi. So I do yoga every single day. You know what I'm saying? Even though I played point guard in college, I've transformed into a more uh, uh, internal body exercise, right? Mm -hmm. That aligns my spine to it so that I can tap into my vibrations and frequencies and energies that I need to, to be the type of black man on this planet that I need to be. And so when I say whatever your your spiritual connotation is. We got to get back to meditation. We got to get back to self-care, especially black men. You know, women, they'll go get, you know, uh, a massage. They'll go get their feet and, and nails done or their hair. And that's their time. Brothers need to start doing the same thing. We need to start taking care of ourselves. So mind, body, soul and spirit for young people is absolutely critical to this movement. We got to get back to our whole selves. And once we get back to our whole selves, it's no it's no stopping us, Kari. I, I like a lot of the points you went to. Uh, first, I love the de definition of economics, the way you broke it down. Yeah. Very plain, um, you know, and, and and I use the the old adage. If everybody's digging for gold, you better make the pitch axe. You got to you know. Do it. So so disconnecting yourself mentally from that hysteria no is question. also part of the steps back to Amos Wilson and you're, and you're speaking about that because no these tenets of life as much as this is a war in many ways uh, these tenets in life up through oppression does take personal responsibility and accountability to strengthen yourself to prepare yourself to arm yourself and that's one of the toughest things about living in capitalism and in that space of the, the number one tenet of capitalism that I hate is scarcity it's, no it's, it's built on scarcity. So scarcity is built on poverty, which is the opposite of the African way of life, which is built on abundance. No question. But abundance, Africa was full of, you know, trees and animals. Resources, and, minerals, and everything. Minerals, like everything you want, even to this day. That's why, I, I mean, when, when we really get down to it, I was having this talk with my dad. World War II, <laughs> I mean, World War I was over splitting up how Europe would divide Africa. And no Germany question. felt left out of the game they wanted to live like mansa musa they wanted parts of africa that they couldn't get well they got uh, parts and, of africa i know but yeah, they wanted yeah. more that they couldn't yeah, get yeah. and that led to world war ii i mean a lot of this when we think about the richness of africa hence the african culture and civilization when i talk to people and they think i'm speaking crazy i'm just gonna give you the plain logic of we think from abundance but living in scarcity causes it, it shackles you to feel like you're on the edge of survival every day. Every day. And then it, it also causes even the, the fact of uh, the scenario that I gave Blanks when he was in here. Like, you know, our propensity to spend is so high. Meaning like we as black folks have a high level of, you know, as they say, uh, my mom, money's burning a hole in your pocket. You get a dollar, you spent the dollar. You know, like the, the, the idea. Mm -hmm. And some of that idea is like, I deserve to reward myself. I was working hard and I was living in the ghetto and I hated living in the ghetto. And now I I, I, I got my job. I graduated. I want to live out in the suburbs away from all these people in the ghetto. And now you're overspending your budget. You know what I'm saying? So like this, this but the scarcity, because this is still a, a mental, I think a lot of times more than even uh, the, the actual, because even with COVID-19, 
as we were seeing, you know, what do you have? What do you not have? Which is bringing up people thinking more about gardening, bringing up people thinking more about uh, what they can save, all of the luxury items, uh, traveling, all, all the heavy things. Even hospitals right now, they say, are going out of business because hospitals makes money off of elective surgeries. No question. You know, so it's like the the the. The, the idea of shifting the mind from thinking in scarcity and like what you say, recentering around our purpose of being abundant, that the world itself and the universe creates our blessings for us. And we will be driven towards that is it's definitely a self-care thing. So you've done that work. And as you share and you touch your students and other people you meet, how have you been seeing them apply that? How have you been seeing younger well, generations of folks apply that? This is warfare of the mind, yeah. the body, the soul, and the spirit, Kari. Uh, and you cannot, the worst scenario that I used to hear people say is you got to fake it till you make it. I remember you know, that. That's a bullshit term. You know, because what we've been doing as black people is we've been faking it. And now where we are in, in this realm, in this dimension, where we are is you have to be real with it. You have to be trained up. You have to be studied up. You have to be prepared for this war, you know, and, and if you're not, you're going to be wiped out. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to survive mm. where we're going as a planet, as a people, the competitive nature of capitalism, which still rules the globe. Right. So we're in war with that. We're in war for our own self-independence. Mm. Right. And until we get our own self-actualized independence, and I believe we can achieve that through mm. economics and entrepreneurship. Self-actualization, I like that. I like uh, that. Yeah. So we find ourselves in a scenario right now where you got to get your mind right, because if your mind is not right, you're not going to be successful in your goals and objectives. You got to get your health right, because if you're in the hospital or you're sick all the time, you're not going to be able to do any of the things that you want to do in, in the field. Right. You got to get your spiritual situation in order so you can come back and meditate to your own personal groundedness and everything that you need is within you. So whatever you're projecting outward and looking for, what history has shown us is that every time we have wanted to be successful as a person or an individual, we can do it if we manifest it. But we got to have our personal house in order. And so I'm real strong about that. You know, you can't have the success and prosperity that you truly want until you get yourself together. And Dr. Amos Wilson hits hard on our psychological yes. impairment due to constant oppression, yes. due to our constant thinking about how to assimilate and survive and thinking about Dr. Joy DeGruy, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome, where yeah. she talks about the, the the systemic impact that slavery has had on us as a community passed down for generations. And just think about all of these slaves released, uh, you know, post emancipation. It wasn't like you were told to go visit a health, a, a, a mental health professional. No. Right. So all of this stuff has been passed down to us. So when you see black people acting out the way that they are, some of the mental conditioning yeah. that is taking place in us from childbirth, yeah. right? We got to break away from these psychological impairments that does not allow for us to reach our true selves. And our true selves are to be independent 
economically prosperous and whole as a melanated black people, a global black people. And like I say, white supremacy is a global phenomenon. Now, it's not just local. It's a global phenomenon and even, system and yeah, structure. Even in Africa, even in no Africa question. itself, Europe, Africa, it, you yes. wherever you go. Yes. Now, I have this point because I was making this point to Ken. Yeah. Uh, blanks on, on the same point. You're Ken too. But <laughs> blanks, when I was talking to blanks, <sighs> talking about money in the black family because of that scarcity is always a tough discussion. It's, it's always almost like a, a talking about money in the black family is almost like talking about racism in some black families. Like, well, yeah. like it's not honored but i want to take this further with you because yeah. it's, it's business as well like we we spoke a little bit more about money and investment and financing and planning it but with you like what how should families be having these business discussions and money discussions when when it's real right now like you say and i mean the core the, the core educational model that i think all black children should have from the time that they're raised is how to count money how to understand the financial marketplace and how to start a business. You know, um, one Malcolm X said it best, you know, I don't know how, I, I think it's insanity when you have someone else who oppresses you raise your children, Wow! right? Wow. We have to get into not only educating our kids to provide for their families because the Calvary ain't coming. The white man on the shiny white horse with a bag of cash is not showing up to your doorstep. Right. What's that? So, Publishers Clearinghouse. Yeah. What yeah. a publisher, whatever you want to call yeah, it, is not coming it, to you. It's not happening. No. And and for you to wish for him, for you to go to a a a a, a, a symbolized institution, uh, praying and hoping that that person is going to show up for you white, is not going Jesus. to happen. White OK, Jesus, yeah. so all I'm saying is, you know, from where we are as a people, we have to come back to ourselves. We have to look at first mind, body, soul, and spirit. Then we have to start to build the entrepreneurial and business tenants that it takes to be successful. We're an entrepreneurial people. We're a tribal people. Yeah. Right. Very much when, so. When you think about who we are, we love the network. We love community. We yeah. love different cultures. Yeah. Right. Once we get good at something, it's a wrap. Yeah, you, you go know, to the you go to the any of the other places in the diaspora, like the Caribbean and there. Trade is that's what that's what we do. It, like, right? I mean, it, and it's not even formalized. And so, we have a natural no, tongue that, towards multiple yeah. languages. We have, guy, a natural, yeah. we have a natural we have a natural tongue towards yeah. commerce. You know, but our European systems is not our system, but we have to learn this system too. And yeah. what I think is so important is that when you go into a, a, a capitalistic system that feeds white supremacy, right? Yeah. And maintains the ruling class elite order, right? You need to understand that game. But at the same time, while you're in that system, learning exactly what that system is, then you need to also be thinking about how to create your own economic system. And this comes back to, again, Dr. Claude Anderson's approach about cooperative economics, about community economic building, about us having group economics in our mindset and teaching our children from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at, you know, who we are as a people, and I love to relate with Dr. John Henry Clark, you know, uh -huh. who is pro who is prophetic in yeah. terms of, you know, realizing that the, the game is up, you yeah. know, it's time for us to focus on us. Right. As a black community. And I think the response of COVID-19 
mm. killing a whole bunch of black people, right? Part in because of ourselves that we got to take yeah. ownership of our health and our disparities. But at the same time, the system has perpetuated those yeah. health disparities. Also, keeping us at a certain class with the limit of health care, with the yeah. limit of quality health care or access to it. We don't even trust hospitals. No. You know, I know folks who, you know, w won't even go to a hospital. I don't care if they on their deathbed. They yeah. just died in their house. Yes. Right. Yes. And so this is a huge opportunity in terms of entrepreneurship because we saw the health care system crash anyway. Yes. It couldn't even maintain itself. And matter of fact, if there's a pandemic, that's the last place that you want to go. Yeah. In terms of uh, waiting in line, sitting on the floor with a whole bunch of coughing people, right? Yeah. Waiting on some service that cannot service you very, very because cool. hospitals are not built for that. They're built for profit. And that's the way that it is. And, and once we learn now, we need to create our own health systems like we had back in the day. You know, my great uncle is Dr. D. T. Burton the owner of Burton Mercy Hospital here in Detroit in the early 1900s. We had no choice but to go to his hospital for everything. Mm -hmm. So we need to create those new health systems with technology, new home health care, because we know people don't want to leave. You know, yeah. we should be creating Amazon.com like black businesses that can deliver health care to people on the spot. Yeah. Right. So there, this pandemic, Although it has detrimentally impacted us in tremendous ways, both health wise and economic wise, those who have been able to come out of this and who have survived, there's a huge opportunity for innovation in the marketplace Very true. and for us to create opportunities, not only in this capitalistic system, but in our own communities that we now have to control. So, again, I get back to this. It's about power. And that's how white supremacy works. If yeah. you don't have power, you cannot tackle or, or fend off the oppression of white supremacy. No. You have to have independence. If you're not independent, you can't speak truthfully to the system. And more importantly, you cannot prepare yourself and your family to be able to, to survive if the system ever comes against you. Yeah. And so we're at war. We're also finding out when, like in the state of Michigan, uh, for example, where... You had a whole bunch of white vigilantes up at the Capitol, like an armed brigade yeah. standing at the Capitol, loaded, organized, all types of assault weapons. I mean, these folks are organized. Right. Mm -hmm. And it looks like they're prepared for war if it goes down. So the message that that sends the black community and I started right away, I looked up Naga and the National African-American Gun Association. And I just and, had the... Uh, and I promoted that yeah, and yeah. got them over a thousand memberships during this pandemic because mm. right as the, the COVID-19 was happening, yeah. black people were getting murdered all throughout the country. Yeah. You know, Ahmaud Avery, you had Breonna Taylor, and now you got George Floyd. That yeah. happened within three weeks of each other. Yes. Okay? Yes. So enough is enough. So yeah. this whole... Uh, docile way of approaching white supremacy is a wrap. You better be strapped. You better be loaded. Your family better be trained how to use a gun properly and safely. And if it comes down to it, you better be prepared to protect yourself because somebody could be knocking through your door, coming in, busting through, uh, not having any information and shoot up your family. Yeah.
Okay, yeah. so it's real out in these streets. Yeah. So it's funny how Dr. Huey P. Newton would say back in the day, the revolution always remains with the youth, but at the same time, they were strapped too. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, it, it's 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 great you brought that up. And I just, uh, the interview I posted today, and, and soon I'm going to post on Thursday. We're interviewing Tuesday, but Thursday this interview will post, but I had the uh, Black Bottom Gun Club, mm -hmm. the Detroit chapter of that group uh mm -hmm. coming up this saturday june 13th they'll be going and doing their class uh make sure you connect with them if you're interested no if a per any person uh watching this interview because it is about safety and it, it's about making sure holistically on all angles i like that you brought up bringing from the 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 business angle into a child speaking speaking about entrepreneurship into a child and what that looks like and also having an understanding that it will be uh it will be different can you every uh, kid should own a business yeah right from the moment that you're able to count you should know how to count money from the moment mm -hmm. that you're able to live we don't get these type of uh what they would have in in the public school system which is a system of indoctrination to support white supremacy right mm -hmm. So you don't get the tools that you need for life skills and survival. In a so, lot of ways, uh, I would even say even with business school, like it's it's more like employee school. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's, no it's, doubt. It's, it's it's training you to be to get a job. Yes. And not in, in a job that you don't employ. Yeah. Like uh, I, I'll tell you something, something that's unique. I, I, I gave this as an option for for wash that I'm still want to do just myself. But they were like. You know, they do so many job fairs out there. I'm like, you should do a gig fair. It's enough independent contractors connected to this school where I bet you these businesses will rather contract out some of this business. You have the ability. Just reach out to instead of reaching out to the human resources people, reach out to the real business people. And let's get some money. You all say that you want to do business. I'm like, we should be doing gig fairs in the city of Detroit because it's a lot of independent contractors no that that will do the work. And we can negotiate and that'll be way more instrumental and way more impactful than any goofy job fair because people don't want to necessarily work for you but i can do the job i can get the work done that you want but i don't want to clock in i don't want to follow your rules and procedures i don't want to sign an employee contract but i'll deliver what you want we got to control our own environments and mm -hmm. and you know black people have to get into the mindset of ownership we have to do our research we have to assess where we live Right. And and there's huge opportunities for us. Right. Yeah. In terms of land ownership, in terms of asset ownership, uh, in terms of how we invest in one another, one another, because you can't go to a traditional bank. Right. No. Uh, they'll hold your money. They'll collect interest off of it. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes real. to PPP loans, they can't process you. No. Matter of fact, the, the 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 terminology that was used when the PPP loans was announced was first come, first serve. Yeah. That was promoted yes. amongst the banks. So that told blacks and small business owners and, and, and minority groups that wait in line. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we'll come back around and see if we can, you know, kick some money. to you. Yeah. And yeah. Right, well, now, right now that that program, I believe now was the large new intermediaries are, are looking to possibly give 
some no question you had magic johnson step up because he was fed up he had a hundred million dollars that he put into the pipe you had robert l smith putting up his money you had puff daddy coming to the table now you got some folk with some real equity that's coming to the table and realize the power you speak of that's right the calvary ain't coming we're gonna have to look out for ourselves and if Mm -hmm. other minority groups that are melanated get smart they're gonna they should be trying to partner with us as well right at the same time because they're disadvantaged and isolated from the capital markets as well and so when you look at this whole thing man you know as we start to project ourselves into the future and we look at history history is our antecedent to white supremacy we're up against white supremacy mm-hmm. we are at at all costs we need to not only devise a plan to not only survive white supremacy, but to gain total independence from it because we have to operate within it, if that makes any sense, just like any other community. And so white supremacy is built off oppression, is built off of racism, is built off of privilege, right? And so when you control your own, those those privileges and racism no longer applies. If you notice any black man with some money and some power and some influence or black woman, they can go to any table. And in some cases, they respect it, right? If they wield that power correctly. So again, history is a, a, a prerequisite to show us exactly what the theory has been. And now that the hypothesis has been tested, now we need to go out there and actually execute knowing the fact that the cavalry is not coming. Either we own our own or we continue to be owned by someone else. And entrepreneurship is the way to our economic freedom to not only challenge the system of white supremacy, but to also build the type of civilization that the global black community can now live the type of quality of life for generations to come. Now, you talk about owning your own. And now the flip side of it is our responsibility in the community to actually patronize no question of black business and i think we do that you know mm-hmm. as i travel across the country you know as mm-hmm. president of the national business league you know my regional offices are in la dc atlanta and detroit uh, i manage 360 local leagues across the country booker t founded this organization 120 years ago so all i did was put some armor rod on them old ass tires and where we see ourselves now as a future economy uh, uh, black folks are catching on, right? You see uh, my girl out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia, um, uh, Pinky, mm-hmm. and she got slutty vegan. Mm-hmm. Dude, she grossed in, in a two-year period of time over $4 million, lying mm-hmm. wrapped around the corner every single day, right? Mm-hmm. So when we got a quality product, a, quali- a quality commodity good or service, we have found a market plane and we're now providing a solution or a niche to the marketplace, not only will black people support, you will start to see other cultures come around the corner and support you mm-hmm. as well. It's just, we gotta enter this game, not faking it till we make it, actually doing real business, right? Mm-hmm. Actually having a legitimate business, a le- trained up in this game and understanding how to grow our businesses and take it to the next level. And you can't fake that. And you need to build your black tribe. You know, this is our opportunity when we think about our own ecosystems. We have more black uh, professionals, licensed professionals than any time in history. There's no reason why a black person shouldn't have a black CPA, 
to do their taxes and their accountant. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have a black attorney yeah. to make sure your contracts and your confidentiality agreements and everything else is in place, your leases and all of that stuff, and your public relations professionals, folks who understand how to put a press conference together and utilize PR and communications to get the word out, a social media content management firm that's black to manage your social media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and all of these social media platforms that exist today to get your word out. And you think about all of the different uh, uh, functions of a business, you can professionalize that and start to circulate the dollar. So my thing is there's no better time right now to not only build your economic tribe, but to also position an entrepreneurial endeavor and take it to the next level. This is the time to do it. And like I said, the revolution won't be televised. It'll be digitized. Well, I, I definitely think there's a strong black professional pa- class as yeah. uh, who my father is. And I've met many of his friends, uh, uh, Greg Frazier, CPA, yeah. you know, my attorney, Stephanie Hammonds. I've been working with Stephanie for I can't even tell you. got your years. try. Uh, and, and I do think that having that and Suzanne Clegg is like my project manager on yeah. most projects. So I, I think yeah, if you don't having, count, if you don't count, why are you trying to do a budget? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you if you don't know what a, the language of a lease, why are you trying to do contract work or sign a lease or try to have a legal apparatus? We need to get out of trying to do everything ourselves and come in half ass. We got to get our business houses in order and we have to build our tribes up. There are people out here who are trained just like you. A, uh, a You're going to be a trained uh, master's in business administration, an MBA Those are people who can help you grow your company, Mm -hmm. put in a Six Sigma process. There are sales professionals out there. The National Association of Black Sales Professionals is people who know how to sell, teach you how to grow your product. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel. All we got to do is go out and partner and build our tribe and and partner with professional business owners who do this for a living. And I I would say... I would I would provide this angle and I, I I'm there with you. Yeah. Uh I, I found just in, in interacting with more businesses. Uh, yeah. It's funny, it's like a car right here. This uh met a woman <laughs> that does lashes that was on one of the other podcasts. Yeah. But uh but it's also having the courage to be honest, as you say, being real. Because just knowing your capacity. Sometimes that 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 same scarcity of money, it's like you talk to an attorney, it's like, damn, is this gonna cost me a thousand dollars? If you 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 have to be fair enough to meet with this person and respect their time, but honest enough to to share what you have and what oh, capacity no you have to grow at capacity. And I think you I think a lot of people would be surprised the willingness of of black business owners to sit down and share some time with you especially in a city like detroit as you talk about the black mecca it's it's i can't i can't think of any other place in the world atlanta included where you could say man i hate that black radiologist and then pick three others like this there are some people willing to share some information with you one of my big homies that i talk to often uh karen dumas when i'm trying to figure out certain angles karen is always like a linda ear to me like uh try this maybe kick the proposal around she like a that. master in the public relations yeah. game man i mean yeah. dude we it, at this point in time you cannot you cannot look outward to find what's already within we got everything that we mm-hmm. need as a black community to be successful yes we got everything that we need in terms of expertise knowledge you yeah. name it 
We got everything here. In yeah. this day and age, you can't operate in a silo. You can't operate monolithic. Mm -hmm. You can't operate individualistic. You're out of business. If you don't have a network, if you don't have contacts, if you don't have clients, if you don't have a professional circle, a tribe of professional people around you, you cannot survive in this new economy. So you might as well not even go into business. And not everybody's an entrepreneur. No. But black people should be the number one employer, as Dr. George Frazier would say, of black people. Yeah. Period. Because culturally, we understand. No question. And, and speaking of that, your organization. How do people join? What What's the advantage? Because you talk about needing those resources. No question. How do people tap in? And 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 this is going to be a huge opportunity. So after June 19th, the June, Juneteenth, uh, the real day that yeah. folks realized that they were free, uh, we are launching uh, our campaign uh, mm -hmm. across the country to mobilize black businesses, not just here in America, but all the global diasporic community. Um, of black businesses all over the globe. Uh, we are uh, launching all types of business services uh, from access to capital, to technical assistance, you name it. Uh, and you'll be able to come to us as a resource. You know, our job is to get you from A to Z with the least amount of gray hair and stress. You know, but at the end of the day, we also need institutions uh, to be able to advocate uh, the political systems and the economic systems that exist. Because right now, we're going to have to hold accountable that, you know, those major co corporations that benefit from our tax dollars or our consumer patronage, we're going to have to hold them accountable. We want ROI, not just return yeah. on investment. We want a return on inclusion. Right. Mm -hmm. So in terms of where people are, in terms of their boards of directors, in terms of where their hiring is. And when I say hiring, black board of directors, black executive, black contractors i don't want to hear these benign neglect terms like people of color and yeah. minorities right we want to know where black people are right and we need to be intentional and specific about that yes how much uh, are you committed to philanthropic wise through your foundation to the black community yeah. what type of advertising are you advertising with kari frazier's company on his mm -hmm. radio show and mm -hmm. podcast where are you spending your money? Because you're making a whole lot of money off of black folks in the community, right? Mm -hmm. So it's time that we get our ROI and we're coming for it, right? And we got enough intelligent and strong enough and independent enough organizations and black men and women who are not afraid of the system anymore. We're coming for white supremacy because its end is near. Yeah, I feel that. Now, as you talk about that, too, that that definitely brings me to in the shadows of the murder of George Floyd. So many corporations have stepped up and said, this is what we're going to do. This, this that's what we're going to do. And I, I definitely am hearing a lot of minority and person of color and urban poor and intersectionality. I, I'm not hearing explicitly black like what you're saying. Black is what I want to see. But I'm also seeing racial equity. Like who are these organizations writing like like? Who are they writing it to and who's holding it accountable? No uh, will you all even be looking into that? Yeah, not well? only we're going to measure it, we're going to study it and we're going to come to groups like you all to promote it to the community, the black mm. enterprises, the essences of the world, all of our media outlets, the National Black Publishers Association. Yeah. We need to be communicating who is really committed to our community. Yeah. Right. Uh, are you justifying not only the announcements and press conferences that you're making, but is there some meat behind that? And for us vegans out there, is there some plant-based opportunities 
coming down the meal pipeline. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, Kari, it's about accountability, right? Mm -hmm. This is the day and age of transparency. You know, you can't hide anything anymore. No. We can measure everything. Again, yeah. my PhD is in economics and black studies. So data is everything. We should yeah. be data driven in yeah. all of our approaches. We should be measuring things. And that's one thing throughout movements throughout history that we were really good at. We studied the laws. You know, our black attorneys got in and, I mean, and fought for laws and fought tip, against tip it and Charles put Houston. their mind. That's right. Tip I had to Charles Houston building the precedent for black versus brown versus the Board of Education. Oh, no question you about know, it. And Economics, education. Yeah. You think it, we got some of the brightest minds in the world. So yeah. we're going to have to get back into the trenches. And when you spoke about, you know, being afraid to go to an attorney or a CPA, you know, are you afraid to go out of business? <laughs> right. So let's look at the two scenarios. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty sure that most CPAs and attorneys and, and marketing and public relations professionals and MBAs and site mental health professionals. And I think every black person in America should have two additional things, a mental health professional in your mm. life. Hmm. Not to be scared of mental health, but to make sure your faculties are in order to mm. make sure you are right. That you got somebody to talk to. We carry a lot of stress. We deal with a lot of oppression. One being white supremacy and oppression PTSD. and racism. Absolutely. But all the other stresses of family members, you name it, living in certain environments that are yeah. extremely toxic, etc. So we need that mental health professional. And we also need to be pr protecting ourselves, our businesses and our families. We need to be armed. We need mm -hmm. to take advantage of our Second Amendment rights, mm -hmm. right? And we need to have gun ownership and safety and understanding how to protect ourselves. So when we're looking at this whole thing now, it's about the entire building of a sustainable black community, a yeah. holistic community that is built with whole individuals that can contribute to something and provide solutions for something similar to what happened at what went on in Durham, North Carolina with their Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, etc. We got so into a holistic way of living. Yeah. Dude, we grew businesses, grocery stores, airports, you name it. We yeah. did, we did that. We're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Now it's time to come back to that in places like Detroit, Atlanta, Philly, Houston, New York, Chicago, L.A. I could go all across the country where yeah. black folks are waking up and mm -hmm. you can go to almost every single urban city in the country. And you're starting to see these black metropolises pop up. You know, people are getting together. So people are waking up. Now they just need the mechanics. They need the education. They need to make sure that not only are they... Uh, not limiting to their sales to just their local environment, but they are also through technology connecting with other communities across the country and globally so that we can truly build this global international economic network. That is the future. Now, as you talk about that, also Detroit, because this is so, so densely populated black. It's so many black folks here. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, the, it's largest the largest densely populated yeah. but they working on that too now now we got a mayoral election coming up politically the, the 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 scope of detroit has definitely changed in our lifetimes we remember another detroit i, I know how media paints detroit in the 80s and uh I, I know how media paints the coleman young detroit but 
my dad was one of the people that was receiving contracts from the city of Detroit at the time. Uh, you know, I, I got I got big homies like uh, Charlene Mitchell's Rogers. I, I met Mel Farr. It's it, I, I know a different reality than what media and I'm talking traditional media portrays of Detroit then versus what was spoke to. So uh, making sure we galvanize what's ours as you talk about the power. Um, what do you see happening just from a Detroit lens? right now no uh, question and making sure that we're empowered and we making sure that we're not even necessarily just relying on a person's skin color politically to be the uh the litmus test of having a black agenda no no question about it and and you look at detroit right now we're systematic of a talent drain one uh, there's a lot of talent in Detroit, but most of it has left or has dissipated and yeah. went other where to find find opportunities. Yeah. And Detroit, unfortunately, is not like other cities where you have majority, uh, a lot of colleges downtown, HBCUs, where there's a lot of talent coming out every single year. You know, you got all of these professionals coming into like in Atlanta, like a Nashville, Tennessee, like a North Carolina, North these places, yeah. a lot of talent coming out. So what happens is you start to produce and, and uh, reverberate the same old people, the same old faces that don't have no more creative ideas. They haven't produced no results. We're looking at our situation in the city right now. Poverty is still high as hell. Yes. You're still looking at education which I think there's been some advancements, but at the end of the day, they just won a lawsuit uh, that just got turned over because they felt as though that black children need to, to have the type of quality education that everybody else has. So when you are in poverty, you got uh, education system that's being challenged legally. You're looking at your health system, which has failed the black community with health disparities. We're the black eye of the nation in terms of health disparities right now. Every other city in America is looking at Detroit because of all of the black people that led the rest of the state that died here or was affected by this pandemic. So you're looking at all these systemic things that can be measured. You can't even escape none of this. Yeah. Right. Almost so every every tenant of quality of life, every tenant of quality of life has been exposed by COVID-19 mm -hmm. and this pandemic. And so you cannot escape it. You cannot have this glossed over na narrative that one Detroit, that we're rebuilding all of this stuff. That stuff was erased overnight in the last eight weeks of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, black folks are still poor. Black businesses are still locked out, marginalized, isolated, and don't have no access to capital, right? Yeah. 20 to 30 percent of black businesses will probably close their doors because they were left to fend for themselves. We got poor health conditions. The health the the health crisis has not only exposed, but it showed that it was not even prepared for a pandemic yeah. uh, here in the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan. And I applaud all of the healthcare workers who are on the front lines. A lot of black folks who are the nurses, the doctors and people who just gave yeah. of their time and their energy. And in some cases caught the virus and died. Yes. Right. Yes. So we have to thank them that they were caught up in an unfortunate situation and exposed. But at the end of the day, we're looking at this and you got a majority black community where the crime rate is through the roof. Right. And luckily we had a shutdown, which kind of curved a lot of that stuff. But at the end of the day, if there's no economic opportunities, then you got high crime. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at 
these scenarios where we spend in our general fund, $294 million is spent on police and $15 million on economic development. Yeah. Right. So when you got that tremendous amount of it's disparity, a interest is a criminality. No question about it. And you can't argue data. So when you don't have leadership that's real about that and can speak to that and can speak to a community that is a super majority black community, we need people who not only look like us in the mayor seat or in city council seats or state rep seats or county seats, et cetera. We need people who are also attuned and innovative enough to bring solutions to the marketplace and can measure it and create W's broker for our community so that we can start to see these disparity gaps close. You think about the digital divide, why we were shut down for eight weeks mm -hmm. because of poverty. A lot of folks didn't have access to broadband or internet or healthcare, especially if the libraries well, let me, are let me closed. Say, this is a key tenant in the digital divide yeah. as a person that does a lot of editing and all this yeah. video. One of the toughest things uh, with a lot of our people, in, in a lot of Americans, period, but the way we connect through the internet is through cell phones. No question. Cell phone capability probably limits your internet access, depending upon the website, maybe uh, 25 to 40%, meaning that the limits of the capabilities of what you can do and how you can do it, you're shackling yourself. Yep. So our community has access to the internet, but it's shackled because we're connecting through phones, smartphones, quote unquote, instead of through laptops and through desktops. The desktop and the laptop is still needed. And I'm always speaking this as uh, right now, I know it's, it's a movement in uh, getting many of the uh laptops in this in the hands of many of these students and de desktops and laptops but it is still a very needed tool you need an actual computer to do and have the capability to the access of things or you're going to be relying so no much question. on like a like you're, you're you're only touching you're only touching certain capability you're only seeing only so much you're only going to get the lens of some of the things to pull down the files to keep the files to keep your data to 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 check and have multiple screens you know i mean just to manage paying the property taxes on on the lots over here is way better to do it on the desktop if i had to do that on the phone it's it's just a natural barrier for me to say Psh, i'm not going to do it and it's unfortunate man we look at our political leadership today uh do most of them have an economic and entrepreneurial background, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When you look at uh, the contracting in the city of Detroit, although black people pay the majority of taxes, what is the percentage of contracts to go to black owned businesses, both in the public and private sector, right? These are things that can be measured, right? Yeah. And so if we're looking at one, uh, it's unfortunate uh, due to black leadership, it's obviously what happened uh, to a very talented man who ran this city. You know, he went in a whole nother direction and his eels caught up with him, his character caught up with him. But you're starting to see bold, black, talented and character driven leadership all across the country. Right. Rising up and leading their communities. And I say this to say that we've tried our experiment. So after Mayor Duggan, who is going to be the next black mayor? And I think that is the discussion of the community right now, because this community not only needs leadership, from an economic standpoint and a political standpoint, but we also need someone that we can have faith in and that we can connect with on a mental, physical, spiritual, and an emotional level. If a little girl gets killed in the community, we're looking for leadership. 
We're looking for passion. We're looking for someone that's actually connected to us, who's able to speak to our issues and our problems because they are a part of the community. And that's critical right now. And you see a huge leadership gap in the city of Detroit. You see a huge leadership gap in the state of Michigan. You see a huge leadership gap in a whole lot of places. In the country. In the the country. country. So what I am proud of is these young folks out here voicing that Mm -hmm. they're tired too. And they're saying, time up for the C and D leadership. We need to have a A and B leadership class to come forward so that we can start to create the type of communities that can be representative of true diversity and more importantly, a place like Detroit, a true example of what a black Mecca and model can look like for the rest of the country. That's inviting to all communities, right? Yeah. Now, now, as you talk about that, that naturally leads me to <laughs> one of the big asterisk question, big question mark things of Detroit. That's just a well-known thing. Uh, Little Caesars Arena and that way that whole deal went down where it was just known. We'll just go on and pay the penalty because we can't, quote unquote, hire or find any black talent to do the work. When things like that happen in the city. What recourse in the future? Because we need to have a better recourse than just sitting and speaking of it. What recourse needs to take place? Oh, no question. I mean, again, that comes back to accountability. Yeah. And, and that's for all public and private yeah, uh, that's, institutions. That's, that's one that just you, came to you, mind. You know, I can think yeah. of several. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, so many yeah. others. I you mean, know, right it, now. It's, it's yeah. in the charter. It, you know, it, it doesn't allude. There's a difference between being Detroit headquartered and Detroit based. Right. Yeah. So you got almost some companies with satellite offices up there or you have a contract go out and you it say it's a minority firm and you walk into their business and it's all white folks working there. So yeah. you got a lot of fronts. Right. Yeah. Or they'll choose uh, in terms of diversity. You know, they'll say, uh, you know, our spend is X amount of million dollars. And, and they'll say we're spending two hundred million dollars on minorities and black business. But when you look up under the hood, hood is only one or two handpicked companies. There yeah. isn't a eclectic, broad view of small businesses who are, who are doing business with that corporation. You know, so we need to pull and lift the scab up on a lot of these situations where black people are just getting played. They've yeah. been excluded. Yeah. And like I said, the gig is up. You know, now we're going we got the type of leadership in place, right? Like yourself, like other people who are not afraid of white white institutions, mm-hmm. predominantly white uh, uh, oriented structures and systems that have been in place to exclude us. And in a city like Detroit, there's no way that you can justify not having inclusion of black people. There's no way. Yeah. And, and then the, the way that some of the black businesses are paraded it makes it for me at least that that's choosing that's, winners and losers that it, right? it makes me shake my head because yeah. now I'm in a debate with my brother or my sister when it's like it never was about you in the first place. But it's the it, same model. Choose a few, give some crumbs up under the table for a few and have them be your mascots. Yeah. To keep the natives at bay. Yeah. You know, so what you got is a bunch of black gatekeepers and a yes. bunch of mascots. Yes. And so these people are lifted up by the mainstream media. They're lifted up by the government and they may be legitimate, good black businesses. Don't get me wrong, because yes. there's a lot of strong 
entrepreneurs out here who have been tapped by the infrastructure and the system and lifted up. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. But at the end of the day, when there's no opportunities for the, the masses or the collective to get the same type of exposure, just like the, you think about the incentives that took place where resources, I, I commend the public and private institutions that came up with a little bit of money, you know, to try to create microloans during this pandemic. But if you think about it, they gave you 72 hours or a time frame for you to apply. Mostly, and once that time frame was over, it was a, a so many people, one, they couldn't even service all those people, yeah. right? And so it's winners and losers, and, right? And I wanna, I'm, I'm going to write a piece about that soon because yeah. almost like, I would say, I say a couple things happen when people hear about this Detroit is different project. One right. is like, damn, you ain't charging people. I'm like, this is my social entrepreneurship. My community needs a platform. That's that's one. And then the other perspective is you need to apply for this Kresge grant. And I'm going to start from there. Yeah. But my, my thought process is it's always been insincere. Like, I, I feel, I feel that, I feel it's almost become a, a, a contest of pick the best Negro, you know, to, to parade. I like that. The, to be the mascot, you know, and, and, and so many of these outsiders, you know, the, this city is, is it's, it's, it's so abundantly black, but when contests come out, you'll see three black faces and like seven yeah, you, you, non-black faces. And, and you, and you know who the handpicked Negroes are. And, and it's, they'll it's, be the same consistent people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's not an eclectic thing. It's not new folks coming up. It's the yeah. same folks. Yeah. And I mean, this this type of of way and I really want to go at and I like what you're saying with with evaluating how these organizations are going, but evaluating also these uh, these these uh, these grant proposals. These no vendor applications. I just felt out the longest vendor so application So philanthropy, that it, lid it, needs it, to be lifted it, up too. It, evaluating their premise because culturally it is not inclusive. They are not looking at things from the lens of what our community looks at. Because really, to tell you the truth. And they're giving a, out millions of dollars. Yeah. So the great thing is, yeah. is that that's public information. And, and, and yes. what I appreciate is now you got a bunch of trained scholars. You got a bunch of folks who are are very in depth into research now, and we can go get this information. Information and knowledge is power, and it's not an yeah. even an emotional conversation. Yeah, I'm a, it, I, I was gonna buy my Godstar subscription to look no that question. up. Is uh, that's one of the tools because to me culturally the way we go down, it, it's it's kind of the old school method. You kind of yeah. don't even speak for yourself. You say, and, "All right, who who your people?" And let me talk to your people and let me ask your people I, what you it's, do. It's so funny. I think about these polls and stuff that come and I'm like, man, I've, I've lived here all my life and I've never got a call for a poll. <laughs> right. So who are these polling entities? Yeah. Right. That are coming into the black community. Right. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Let's look at our papers, our mainstream press. Are they diverse? Are the journalists diverse? Yeah. Right. You yeah. know. I mean, these are the critical questions. And then, and then their ideology are they are they aligned? If if this is uh, it, and I I love his work, but uh, even even today I, I made a post. Ken Coleman said, "Hey, 
I live in a city with too much crime. I don't believe in defunding the police. And I had to respond like, no, defunding the police. I mean, we got to think about what this is. I'm for the community. I'm not for outsiders solving problems within my community. No question. The community can solve its own problems. I mean, we're, or they'll we're, call in the Boston group or, yeah. you know, the McKenzie organization yeah, I'm from more outside. Afraid, you know, I'm going to straight up tell you, I mean, white officer versus black, I guess what you label as black thug. I think I can. I can engage and, and, and respond and, and resolve the situation with Black Thug nine times out of ten. And in my opinion, with, if with you invest office. in people yeah. and you invest in jobs and you invest in economic development Black and Thug entrepreneurship opportunity, yeah. you don't even need because the, it's already studied Resolved. and the data has suggested that where yeah. you have a high propensity of economic development and jobs and stability, you have low crime. Yeah. So to have, I mean, it's almost, I mean, a full lens needs to be put on the general fund yes. and why we have turned into a, a policing institution apparatus Military here in the state. city, in the city yeah. of Detroit. Yeah. And that everything else gets a very low percentage yeah. of investment from our tax dollars. I mean, shit, they bought an old casino and turned who that said, into a police station. Who said if you did a poll from us of our yeah. own community... Yeah. That we would rank police investment number yeah. one and and outnumber by hundreds of millions of dollars in comparison to everything else. That needs to be a discussion. Yes. Yes. I agree. Big time. Big time. But Who made that decision? Yeah. And, and I Why is that yeah. decision made? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with so you. So we got a whole army out here to give us tickets? Yeah. As opposed to a whole army out here making sure that our businesses are prosperous. Yeah. And why is it that where you have a supermajority population of black people, but you also have a supermajority population of black businesses? So 80% of all businesses in Detroit are black. So yeah. out of the 62,000 black businesses, only 11,000 of them are white. Mm -hmm. Only less than 1,200 of them are Asian. 49,000 are black and they are relatively small businesses. So when you think about that, why is there not an investment in economic development? Is that intentional? Mm. Is that purposeful? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was. Shocked. And if you can't bring yeah. jobs here and we're losing population right now. Yeah. Then what, what other means should we be focused on? It almost comes like common sense. Yes, and, and until you pull the veil and you recognize what the deal is, and and some of the things that I, uh, some of the things in the contracting, especially, I mean, I think the most known one is the uh, demolition contracts, and the in the way that the money was stolen from <laughs> from taxpayers like me, <laughs> and given to corporations far away from any people like me, it it just makes me sick to think that we have a sitting mayor presiding but i mean he has aligned himself with some people that i do respect and it's tough even there because it's like now if i if i question some of the ethics of what this mayor or executive administration has done i'm not engaging the executive i'm engaging my people and it's another one of those like well i mean we got to look at this i mean the whole apparatus has to be questioned i mean yeah. at this at this point in time you know, uh, government was not prepared for this pandemic. No. Um, 
uh, black people uh, were tremendously and disproportionately impacted. You cannot argue. And when the data comes out, it's going to suggest that black businesses have struggled right to yeah. maintain. And so with that being said, man, this is a serious time where the gig is up. We have to question leadership. We have to question not just white leadership, but black leadership as well. I agree. Are they capable of carrying the baton forward? Right. And we need to not just hear emotional responses. We need to see plausible, measurable, accountable steps that people have taken where we can verify and validate what your impact has been since you've been elected to office. There's no more time for lip service anymore. And we need real policy reform at this point in time. And if, if we got folks at the table that's just shucking and jiving, tap dancing and giving a bunch of lip service or some short term thoughts on press conferences that they announce, but no long term effects and how we're going to lift up the poverty weight, how we're going to uh, uh, decrease our health disparities, how we are going to decriminalize the city of Detroit, how we're going to make our education system better. And when we think about all of these different areas of quality of life, Man, we have to have a serious discussion right now. And then you spending our tax dollars, especially when we just found out that our tax dollars was also misappropriated. Right. Uh, over a period of time. Yeah. And taken away from us. And there hasn't even been yes. a response to that. And there, there still has not been a response. And, and they will still. I mean, shit, I just got my new interest rates the other day. I don't, I don't know anybody that owns property in Detroit. No, they just got their new Wayne County bill like last week you know so the summer tax bill i i in 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 that 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 definitely brings to uh height as i watched my uh as i watched my democratic congress leaders take a knee with kente cloth today uh it was interesting <laughs> or yesterday i should say I mean, all this symbolism is for the birds man yeah i mean we, it, we, and i thought the same it's, I thought the it's same time thing. to stop playing us i thought the same thing have you received a call from from anyone in that executive office well look at this man look look you know in my opinion as an independent i have not seen anything from the democrat or republican party that has benefit the collective progress of black people period mm. we are still dealing with the same systemic issues even post civil rights so 50 years later have we truly moved the needle yeah was civil rights truly effective Mm -hmm. Right. We need to question civil rights. Mm -hmm. Right. Where are we today? Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of our progress as a nation, as a qualifier to when we were emancipated during that short period of time during Reconstruction, it can be argued that we were more successful back then than we are today. We had with with the with the uh, senators, Congress, I mean, I'm people, just saying, uh, uh, you know, property owners. It, it, I mean, left to our own devices. Black people move exponentially. No question about it. And so More in a fast place, set, so success. a place like Detroit, I think the lions have woken up. Mm -hmm. I think our young folks are now inspired. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, our leadership that has not delivered, they're on notice. And they knowing that they have to go back now. They have to look at their record. They have to look at the things that they're they have supported. I asked black leadership, how are you supporting white supremacy? racism mm -hmm. and oppression that's through your policies that's deep okay that's, that's we deep. have to ask those questions because right now george floyd cannot you know in, inspire us physically 
but he definitely has inspired us mentally absolutely and in, in taking those actions so as we talk about this black agenda like even existing in detroit and it's crazy i, I it was jonathan corals uh and his interview is gonna come up after yours uh and it's deep it's like damn we gotta have a black agenda in detroit like i was floored by the concept of 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 a mayor and city council members needing a black agenda for Detroit, meaning Detroiters need that independent agenda that comes before who the politician is to speak this agenda. Yeah, no question. And part of that black agenda agenda is training the next generation of leadership. Mm. Uh, there's no success without succession. Detroit mm. has done a horrible job in terms of talent placement and acquisition of our own community and in terms of black people in leadership roles. And, you know, as a whole, we have done a poor job at succession planning as a black community, you know, and you still got folks who 65, 70, 80 years old, leading organizations in yeah. positions of Many. power and Many. blocking young people many but i lost mean, that's, that's why gatekeepers many, but that's why many like you say have left a lot of a lot of the detroit talent pool has left because of what you just said yeah so this backwards ideology this backwards uh power scenario that is in place in uh, detroit i think the days are numbered i mean you i know? know you've probably been there i mean just with <laughs> with the organization but it's so funny like you've been to the d in dallas like it's a whole Detroit community of like all these like professionals between like in their 20s, 30s and 40s living in Dallas doing Detroit stuff. It's like, damn, this is crazy. Oh, no question about it, man. And it's just, you know, we are talented people, Kari. Mm -hmm. You know, we are returning back to ourselves. Yeah, we are are realizing that the system is rigged. Uh, and, and even more importantly, you know, a lot of I hate to say it, white folks that are not racist. You know, that are having to pay the burden of their racist friends, family members and co-workers and ancestors. Yeah. But and they, it, and they, it's, they, they benefit from, from the privilege yes. of having white skin. Yeah. But I just hate to say it right now. The gig is up. Yeah. You know, folks are sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, Fannie mm -hmm. Lou Hamer, you know, yes. it's time for us. You don't have anything else. Right. You don't have nowhere else to turn. Yeah. So. To me, the best advice would be to the black community is to turn towards each other. Right. Like and we got a lot of folks who are representing the black community who play, you know, everybody that is your skin is not your kind. Yeah. OK. And so all skin folk ain't kin folk. All uh, skin folk ain't kin folk. And we need to start story. calling out black people as well who are not producing measurable results. For the black community you gotta go yeah we gotta get someone i'd rather take a chance with a young unexperienced uh person to get into office who graduated from school who worked to go get their degrees who work in the community who came back home i would rather give them an opportunity than somebody who is just holding a seat and signing on to things that are detrimental to our community yeah yeah it, it's uh it it uh it's tough because like even even the shakeups nationally and i get phone calls about her uh, nationally and it, 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 it she rattles a lot of the old black guard here you know me and keith <laughs> shout out to keith williams man me and keith go back and forth about rashida to leave all the time but in that short time of her being in that seat 
she has moved agendas and conversations forward further than I thought any like almost floored me with like, damn, my congressperson can do that. Now, on the flip side, my, she, my, my classic congressperson, John Conyers, Northwestern cult like me, he was in that position for so long that the no machine, succession plan. Yeah, you said it, you no said it succession better. plan. Yeah. And, and and at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it. we have to move forward as a people and control our political, socioeconomic means, period. Yeah. It's no it, there's no negotiation towards it. Right. You know, um, it's unfortunate uh, that we had to live through the experiment and the experiment has not changed where we are as a community, as a black people. It has not changed. You look at the data. The data has already been made plain. Right. We're mm -hmm. still suffering from the same socioeconomic and political uh, scenarios that have plagued the black community since Coleman Young was elected. Yeah. 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 Matter of fact, our our middle class as black people has decreased. Our wealthy millionaire class has decreased. Yeah. So what you have is is a corporate apparatus embedded into our community. And that is the infrastructure fueling all of this uh, uh, scenario in place that is opposite of community uh, yeah. Uh, empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. The industrial age as the industrial age is uh, the sun is set on that <laughs> and the big three. It definitely set sun yeah. on. Uh, and you the, got willing allies, you know. man. I mean, so with the organizations, too, we got to learn how to put programs together because there are folks out there in the public and private sector that want to do the right thing. Yeah. And I always say, like Rihanna, you know, uh, how she challenged folk to pull up. Right. Yeah. Roll with who going to roll with you. I, I, I right? feel that. And there's some folks out here who are our allies and they're committed, you know, to making sure that white supremacy racism and oppression and privilege ends I've, right i've had i've had some conversations i'm actually gonna have a conversation tomorrow about a plan that put your program together one of the tough things is is like what you say you you need plans are needed it so so the agenda is needed as well yeah because if the agenda is not needed the obviously the agenda that will be crafted will not be in our best interest no question. And the agenda is simple in terms of economics. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not brain science. This is not physics. Mm -hmm. Right. Ownership, entrepreneurship, understanding the mechanics of it. And then you're on your way. It's yeah. that simple. Right. Yeah. And and electing political people who have the economic knowledge to open up entrepreneurial doors for you. The political system is in place to maintain the economy. Yes. To balance the budget, to to oversee your tax dollars that they are appropriated correctly. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why politicians are in place. So if our political faction is not equipped to handle and empower the economic fashion, then they need to go. Mm. Because if you go to white communities. Right. And. You look at, you know, the politicians and the businesses that support the politicians. They are, you know, they work in unison. Well, I, and if someone not doing their job, they up out of there. Well, I can tell you this because the few types of like outdoor sound reinforcement gigs I get. Yeah. I've sometimes been floored by some of those small white community gigs I get. Yeah. And how fast things move. No question. It's like, God damn, this is 
you know, and I'm like, maybe because it's a small town and it's like, nah, it kind of moves this fast because the machine is in place to work for on there. And there, there isn't so many barriers and restrictions to opportunities. There's a free flow. Yeah. A free enterprise, yeah. which capitalism feeds off of. And so, yeah, you don't have that. Only when you come in places like, I don't understand it. We don't. Detroit we don't, is a very. It's a difficult place. Open it's a, a red tape. To open a yeah. restaurant in Detroit, you damn near are saying, well, depending upon where you. And I tell people, it's like, hey, do catch me if you can. Just pick a neighborhood they don't care about. But if you try to open up a restaurant downtown where your sink is, where your this is, where your that, you you may end up to white box of spaces, Rufus Bartel may say. You can spend, you know, four yeah. times whatever you thought your budget was. Yeah, the black tax is real. You know, so, <laughs> you know. It, you know that you, needs to stop, and that's political. That's a direct political no thing. Question. You need to stop that shit. You need to just open up the market like some of the communities I've seen in other cities where it's just like, look, we want to we want to get this going. Why am I paying for several certifications to get a contract? Yes. Yes. That's a barrier to entry. Yes. That's that, a black tax. That are antiquated concepts of, of the rules. If I'm that, trying to start yeah. a business. Why do I have to spend thousands of dollars to start a business when <laughs> I'm trying to contribute to the economy and hire and grow in the community? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a illogical way of thinking. Yeah. And, I'm not in business right. to I'm I'm definitely not in business to pay the government. Yeah, and then it comes into questions. Are our tax dollars working for us? Yeah. So that becomes a whole nother question. And so, you know, we spending all these taxes. I mean, how does that impact me? Certification, registration, uh, codes, uh, healthcare, education, all that. Yeah, you're you're doing. You basically end up hustling backwards, just trying to sell a sandwich. I'm just saying the gig is up, bro. So I like it. It's a pleasure, man. This was great. I'm gonna leave on this one, and this was a great conversation. Usually, I ask a book or something else, but I'm in a different mood, man. Music. So people can grab music. They watching this, so they already watching and experience. You drop some books on them. What music you think? Uh, if, if your soundtrack right now to this revolutionary black empowerment, what where where should they be playing? Man, you know, in terms of music, I think I'll put it plainly. And it's more so your taste, you know. Yeah, my music is my vibration. It's my meditation. Mm. Okay, so. I get to myself, um, I feel my own vibration, you know, um, I listen to my voice and that empowers me, that inspires me, that invigorates me. So that's the music that's inside of me that I love to listen to every single day. Mm, that's deep. That's deep. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to take it a step further, one of my favorites. And I mean, and he would say that's the music of your mind and that would be Stevie Wonders. There you go. Yeah, and I love my black culture. So, you know, all forms of, of black genius, uh, both in, in, in terms of music and entertainment or whatever field or endeavor that we go into, mm -hmm. uh, we are an amazing people. Okay, if people want to get in contact with you, and I'm sure it will be. www.nationalbusinessleague.org or you can call the office 313-818-3017 and uh Get ready for us to be in the community. We're going to be asking uh, everyone to get involved and we're going to be focused on economics, entrepreneurship and equity. Yeah, definitely. Juneteenth, you're going to see uh, a special announcement yep. 
from yep. the league, and you're going to see it uh, blasted out through Detroit is different, too. So Let's do it. Uh, you're going to see a lot more Dr. Ken Harris. Yes, sir. And uh, the league and some black empowerment, black business, because that is a paramount solution to these challenges that we have. No question. It's the only solution to crack this oppressive system of white supremacy. Yes, sir. Thank you. Detroit is different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.